Well, good morning. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and I am excited to be here with you today. Are you excited? Like super pumped? Just ready for the day, right? Well, a couple weeks ago, I was supposed to be up here uh, preaching a message on discipleship uh, Saturday night before spare you a lot of the details, but from the fetal position in the bathroom, I was having to text Kyle, bro, not going to be able to make it. I'm so sorry. In 10 years of vocational ministry, having, having to preach every once in a while on Sundays, I've never had to do that. I felt terrible to do that to him, but he did an incredible job casting the vision for Disciples Path and also preaching a compelling sermon on what discipleship is. Is So a little update on what Disciples Path is and how it's going is, is it's totally full. Registration is full. We can be pumped about that, right? Like first time in to ever have this, uh, it's totally full. So if you have uh, registered, you're in. You're in. So don't worry about that. You're good. Uh, we are excited about that. We're excited about Disciples Path. In a couple weeks, that will launch. And it's my desire, it's my hope, it's my prayer that Holland Chapel would become a church that is full of people that are making disciples that make disciples. That This is not just some fancy new method of ministry. What I want you to understand is this is what Christ did. This is what Christ did. This is, this is how he lived his life. We, we read in Scripture that he, that he chose 12. He had the ability to disciple millions, but he picked 12, and he poured his life into them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He ate with them. He shared his life with them every single day, every single day. So what does that mean for you and me, right? This is the ultimate example of how we, should, how we should live. What that means for you and me is that we have got to do the same. We've got to do the same. We don't have an option. We must live our life in such a way that we can pour into other people. We can share Christ with other people. And then look them in the eye and say, you ought to do the same. This is the master's plan of worldwide evangelism. It started with 12, went to 24, 48, and so on. Now here you and I sit because of this incredible method of evangelism. That's what I hope to, to change the culture within Holland Chapel, that we would become a church so pumped up and excited about making disciples. That's coming around the corner. If, you, if you're not signed up, do not worry that, that when I said it's full, don't be bummed out. In the spring, we're going we're gonna to do it again. And in, in the next fall, we're going to do it again. And this is just going to be something that we do until it's who we are. So if you're not in this fall, would you join me in praying for those people, 48 to be exact, that are going to be going through this, learning how to make disciples. Pray for them. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. Now, let's, let's move on, I guess, to sermon two. Sorry, passionate about it. Um, 
I want to be honest with you. This, this sermon that we're going to that we're going to go through this morning. I was going to try something new. I was like going to get outside of my comfort zone and preaching because I'm going to level with you. I'm like a three-point kind of guy. If, if I can't do three points, perhaps I'll start with S or whatever. Like my brain just doesn't work. And so I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try something new. The last night, I'll tell you what, I had it all written out. I thought, oh, I don't feel good about this. I do not feel good about this. I'm so nervous. And so well, I just I had to shape it up into three points. So there you go. So we're going to have three points this, this morning. Um, but before I even really get going, this, this morning's message is on serving. It's on servanthood. Before I even get going, I do not want you to think that this is one of those sermons where, uh, you know, a, a pastor of your church is mad at you and, and I'm getting on to you. It's not at all that way. Biblical servanthood is something that's in Scripture, and we've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about it. Now, uh, I want to encourage you that there are a lot of people that serve around here. Thank you, Keaton. Like, there is a lot of people that serve around here. Yeah. Goodness. Goodness. It'd be a much different morning if, like, nobody was doing anything. But a lot of people serve around here. A lot of people serve on Sunday mornings. A lot of people serve on Wednesday nights and around the clock with different ministries. And it would be, it would be next to impossible for us to do what we do as a church if we were not made up of people that serve and do so faithfully week in and week out, selflessly giving of their time to make sure our mission goes forward. And so I want to thank you if you're serving. However... There's the however, right? We can always do a better job. We can always do a better job. I think for us to, to get moving in the right direction, we have to look at the ultimate example. We have to look at Christ. We have to look at Christ. What did Christ do for us? And I think it all starts with the gospel. I'm going to read Romans chapter 4, verse 25. It's not, not a classic gospel uh, a passage, but let's, let's look at it. He was handed over to die... Because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. I want to read that again. Pretty big one. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. You see, Christ lived a perfect life. I can't live a perfect 24 hours. Christ living a perfect life, that was difficult. We can't take away from the fact that he was God in flesh, right? He dealt with things the same way we deal with things. That was difficult, and he did that for us. We understand that, that Christ died a death that was horrific. Horrific. I stump my toe and think my world is falling apart. He was beaten within an inch of his life, strung out on a cross, spit on, mocked. He did this for us. He did it for you and me. When we do something for somebody, we're serving them. He did this for us. And Christ 
The wonderful thing is he didn't stay dead, right? He rose on the third day. Why did he do that? So that we could serve a living king. His story did not stop in the grave. He did that for us. You see, Christ served us in his life. Christ served us in his death. And he served us in the resurrection. The story of the gospel is a story of one selfless act of service after another. That is the gospel. Christ did all of this for you and for me. What an incredible story. It's one that should move us. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. The very existence of Jesus Christ was one of service. It was one of service. So we got this picture of the gospel, right? So where does that leave us in the story? Where does that leave us? I bring you to point number one. It's funny. Point number one. Bring you to point number one, right? Why do we serve? John chapter 13 sets an incredible example for us. Before we get into that story, I want to share with you a story that came from last night. Children are a wonderful thing, right? They really are. When we kind of get stumped in life, kids just come in and they bring a, a joy and a laughter to the experience. Sitting on the couch last night, all the stuff on there, typing it out, making sure we're good. Brindley comes in for bedtime. I want to cuddle. All right, come here. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be like one of those great like Christian parent moments, right? Like she's seeing me write out the sermon. And I was like, baby, I get to like preach in big service tomorrow. She was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, you want to know what we're talking about? She was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. So I brought her over to the couch, and I set her down. And I was like, man, this is going to be like a, like a dad, preachy, teachy moment, right? Like, woo! And I was like, okay, so we're going to talk about Jesus serving other people and, like, washing their feet. And she was like, yeah, he grabbed a towel, filled a bucket full of water, and washed the feet. I was like, oh, you know, you know this one already? <sighs> Okay, mama reading the Bible to every night pays off. I said, how did you learn that? She said, I read it in my Bible. I read it in my Bible. But in case you don't know the story, let's rehash it, right? It's one of the last things Christ did. He, he, he knew his time on earth was coming to an end. So he has the 12 disciples, those that he gave his life to for the last three years. And he's got them in this room. We, we go through this in, in Mission Maze with kiddos because I want them to understand exactly what King Jesus did. He, he took the place of the lowliest servant in the house. We're talking the child of the lowliest servant had this task. He, he had all the disciples in a room and he filled a pail full of water and he knelt down next to them. And he used part of his robe. And he washed their feet. It's cool when we read it, right? But do we really understand what is taking place 
in this moment. The king of the universe places himself lower than low and washes the disciples' feet. We're talking nasty, filthy, gross task. He washed their feet. We read, we're going to pick up verse 13 and 14. It says, and since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Yeah, right? What a story. What a story. This morning, one of the main things I want us to understand is that we never, we never look more like Christ than we are serving others. We never look more like Christ than when we are serving others. Christ set an example for the disciples in this moment, we're talking big moment. They were starting to get the picture that he was about to leave, right? If you keep on reading, they were like, okay, Christ, we, we understand now. You don't, you don't have to speak differently. We're, we're starting to see this plan unfold. We know that you're about to leave us. And what does he do? He washes their feet. Why? Because he's about to commission them into the world. So he leaves them with this task. He says, if you're going to go into the world and you're going to take my message, you cannot take my message into the world apart from serving people. It's impossible because the gospel is serving, right? So how are you going to take the gospel message into a world that doesn't know me if you're not willing to serve them? So he washes their feet. He says, you ought to do this as I have done. We never look more like Christ than when we are serving others. The last passage that I end when I am sharing the gospel with somebody is the one we're about to read. 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Big word there is live. So when I share the gospel and somebody is like, yes, I'm ready for that. I want that. We end on this verse. Are you really? Are you really ready for that? Back in Mark, what we read, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. Like, he, he, was, he was getting James and John in line. They were wondering who's going to be next to him in heaven. And he said, it's all about serving. Stop with this. So when somebody says, I'm, I'm ready, I, I, I think, I know what Christ did for me, now I'm ready for that. We end on this passage because when we come into contact with the saving grace of Jesus Christ, if it does not compel us to action, we've missed the mark. We've missed the mark. So as we share the gospel and I, I read this passage, I want people to understand that because of what Christ did for you, you have to live for him. It's not an option. 
It's not an option. We have to live for Christ. Let me be completely frank with you this morning. That if you claim to have come into contact with the saving grace of Christ, and you are not living for him, you've missed it. You've missed it. You've missed that gospel message that we started with. You've missed that. We cannot experience the fullness of the grace of Christ and not be compelled to move on his behalf. Cannot do it. Cannot do it. Just as he challenged the disciples. If we are to live for Christ, then we should live like Christ. That means living humbly and serving others. We cannot expect to lead someone to Christ without serving them like Christ. Cannot do it. It's one of the last things he shared with the disciples, right? You've got to serve them. You've got to love them. You've got to be the example. Don't just say it. Be the example. You've got to be the example. I may have shared this story with you before. I'm not real sure. So if I have and you remember it, just play along like you've never heard it. A few years ago, uh, I was in student ministry, and I took a group of students to Colorado, Colorado Springs area to be exact. And, and at this particular mission trip, we were all about uh, serving people where, where they live, right? Sounds good, but it means a lot. So uh, the church plant that we were helping, he had a list of people whose homes were being condemned. And, and so his, one of his church's responsibility that they felt led to do was to get these people's houses up to code so they wouldn't be kicked out. So I bring a bunch of teenagers up there, and he drives us up to this home. And when I say on the verge of being condemned, we're talking on the verge of being condemned, right? Big task. The backyard was a disaster. Just imagine pulling up with a bunch of teenagers. They're like, oh, for real? What? We don't have a tractor, Luke. Golly. I said, we're here to serve them. We're going to do whatever we can, all right? And, and this place was, was pitiful. I had a teenager walk up and give me a syringe that they found in the backyard. And this place was rough. So we had weed eaters and mowers and clippers and clean the backyard. And we weren't there to knock on doors or anything. We were just, imagine being in your house and bus roll up and people start cleaning your yard. So finally this guy came out and I went to him. Introduced myself. He was like, I, thank you. Thank you for doing this. I said, man, you bet. We're here to love you. We're here to serve you any way we can. I heard your house was on the verge of, of being condemned. We just we don't want to see you lose it. He said, I appreciate that. He said, my wife's been bedridden with cancer for the last six years, and I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I said, that's what we're here for, man. No problem. He said, y'all from like a church or something? I said, yeah, we're from like Arkansas. We came out here. He was like, what? I was like, yeah. 
Don't ask questions. We just, we love you, right? We love you. And he begins to tell me why he doesn't attend church. Because, you know, like if people talk to you and you say we're here to do church work, they immediately like want to give you a reason why they're not going to church kind of thing. And he said, man, you know, I was, I went to church for a long time, but it's full of hypocrites and I just got tired of it. I said, oh man, I'm so sorry you feel that way. I said, when's the last time that you were a part of a church? He said, it's probably been 10 plus years. So we're talking a severely de-churched individual, right? And he shakes my hand again and says, thank you. And I will never forget what he says. He says, I guess this is what God looks like. We're talking unprompted, just here with a weed eater. And this is what the guy said. I guess this is what God looks like. Whoa. I couldn't wait to get the kiddos around to share that one, right? That's why we do it. You never look more like Christ than when you are serving others. That's why we do it. We serve. We serve. To be an example and to lead people to Christ. Next point. Point number two. Who do we serve? Right? Who do we serve? Oh, man. Let's build a list. It's pretty short. We should serve our family. We should serve our family. Husbands, I'm going to talk to you for a second. Bear with me. You need to serve your wife. Women, bring it. Bring it. Come on now. Keep going. Men, you must serve your wife. Wives, serve your husbands. Moms and dads together, serve your kids. Love them. Why? Not to spoil them, but to show them Jesus. They're your number one priority in your home. They are your disciples. you got to serve them. Love them. Teach them. Serve your family. Next, we ought to serve our neighbors and our friends, right? This is where things get a little tricky. Things get a little tricky. Because when we serve people, we want it to be on our terms and we want it to be comfortable, right? And a lot of times, serving neighbors, serving friends, serving people outside the home, outside the church is difficult. We don't have the option. We must. If you feel compelled to live like Christ, we have to serve. We don't get to pick. So what does that look like? I don't know. Mow their grass. Take them supper. Knock on their door and say, how can I pray for you? What's going on? How can I help? Be available. we got to serve those that are around us. Coworkers, you name it. Yes, serve them. People you don't like, you betcha. Ramp it up. Serve them more. Last, we got to serve the church. We've got to serve the church. Jump on ministry teams. Do whatever it takes. Do the hard stuff. I hear it from time to time. Many people have said over the course of my time in ministry, I'd be willing to serve if there was something there that's just for me. That's just for me. I'm waiting. One of these days you guys are going to unroll something that, that I'm like, yeah, that was meant for me. Would you rather it be easy or would you rather be obedient? That's the question. Because too many times people say, I'll serve when something's right there for me. 
Two weeks pass, nothing's there. A year passes, nothing there. And here we sit. Serve the church. Do the hard stuff. Do the hard stuff. Serving is difficult. It makes us uncomfortable. Like who in the world has been gifted by the Holy Spirit to pick up trash at Amplify? Right? We don't see that one lined out in Scripture anywhere, but people do it because it's got to be done. We've got to serve. I think there's going to be a picture on the screen. Just a second. Is there? Now, if you can make that out, that is Nick Calloway. He has no idea this is happening right now. <laughs> this is great. This is so good. Like, we went incognito behind the scenes to make this happen. That's Nick Calloway with a leaf blower. This morning, actually. Now, we've got like a plague-like grasshopper problem around the back of the church. And we were up here yesterday. I had stuff going on, or the day before, I forget. And I was like, man, it is like all over. It's ridiculous. Like my wife is terrified of grasshoppers. It may keep her from coming to church. I don't know. He was like, yeah, I got to like, we got to get a, like a leaf blow or something. I don't know. We got to figure this out. Well, this morning, I'm making last-minute preparations, and I hear a <laughs> Like, here's old Nick with the leaf blower. He's doing the uncomfortable stuff. He's doing the difficult stuff. Stuff that nobody wants to do. But it's got to be done. Are you willing to serve? Anyone, anywhere. We do this to make Christ known. That's why we do it. Point number three, last one. How do we serve? How do we serve? So to add some practicalness to the message, I just want to let you know, in, in a few weeks, we're going to unveil a big old long list of everywhere imaginable that you could serve here at Holland Chapel. So if what you've heard this morning kind of is compelling, which I pray that it is, when you see that message I want, or that, that list, I want you to be praying right now, God, help me to circle at least one and give my time to it. Maybe even two. I don't know. But how do we serve? Again, I, I don't want us to, to think that serving is just focused on what happens around Holland Chapel because it's not. We've learned we've got to serve our families. We've got to serve our neighbors and friends. But yes, serving the church is a big part of serving. I want to read a passage, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Discover what God has gifted you to do and do it. 
Do not wait on that specific moment in time where something is offered. I pray that comes down the line. But if you know what God's gifted you in for the benefit of the kingdom and for the benefit of others, do it. Do it. And do it often. Do it often. How do we serve? We serve by meeting the needs of other people. And we meet the needs of other people to display King Jesus. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. We're meeting the needs of others. We're meeting the needs of others. Because he died for us, we should what? We should what? We should live for him. Because he died for us, we should live for him. I pray this morning that this simple message with three little points, all drawn from Scripture, points you in the right direction. And I, I'm, I'm not too foolish to understand that, that many of you come in here week in and week out, faithfully attend, but are somehow crippled by your lack of service. I don't know why, but I pray this morning, in some way you address that, it's a heart thing. It is a heart thing. That you would evaluate yourself and understand that if I've really given my life for Christ, then I have to give my life for Christ. It's not mine anymore, it's his. What are you going to do with it? Perfect attendance, awesome. If that's it, you've missed the mark. What are you going to do 